Please stand with me at the reading of God's Word, Acts 28. Uh, we have, I'll just draw your attention to what we have uh, in the beginning of the passage is uh, Paul and Luke and others sailing. Um, we, we see when we get to verse 14, um, they finally get to Rome. We've been waiting for them to make it to Rome all this time. And uh, brothers in Christ come and, and see Paul and he takes courage and he thanks God. And then when he's in Rome, we read what he does in verse 17. Let's read together. After three days, Paul called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, we have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are. For with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed from Paul after, or departed after Paul had made one statement. Here it is. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes have have closed. They have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. You may be seated. For six chapters... We've been waiting for this moment. We've been waiting for the Apostle Paul to finally get to the city of Rome. I wonder what you would have expected was going to happen when the great preacher makes it all the way to this capital city of paganism in the world. Washington, D.C. of that place. Whenever... Whenever in chapter 23, uh, Jesus appears to Paul and, and as the Jews are rejecting him, Jesus says, take courage because you must get to Rome 
to preach and testify of me. What would you have guessed Paul would testify to? What would you have guessed when he finally gets to the place we've been waiting for him to get to? Would he have said about Jesus? Would you have guessed that the book of Acts would end with Caesar himself hearing from the great preacher and becoming saved? That's not how it ends. Instead, it ends with Paul preaching to Jews and them not being saved, but being condemned to hell. The point of this passage really jumps out at us from verse 28. Uh, right after Paul then use, opens his Bible to Isaiah 6, that passage we read earlier to explain what's going on after he preaches his sermon. Verse 28, he explains, Let it be known to you, Jews, that this salvation that God is giving is going away from you and going to be sent to the Gentiles, to the nations, because they will listen. This point is made in the very last passage in the book of Acts, a point that you and I need to hear and believe because it's true for us. And that's this. If you will hear Him out, Jesus will, will heal you. Here is the sermon in a sentence from the last passage in this great book. If you will hear Him out, Jesus will heal you. I wonder if any of you are, are feeling like God is sounding pretty insecure when I say that that is the point of this passage. When you hear Paul say this to the Jews for not believing in Jesus, that God is insecure, and he's like you know, maybe one of those scam artists that like a timeshare presentation who says, now you've got to listen to all that I say. You've got to get through my whole presentation before you get the goodies. And you think it's all a sham. What's wrong with this God? Does He have some complex about being unpopular that He's going to make you listen to the end or, or else you just ignore Him and he's, not, and he's upset at you and so He's not going to receive you. Well, you should believe this. That Jesus is only going to heal you if you will hear Him out completely. Because listening to God is part of the essence of what you exist to do. Part of being a human made by God is for you to listen to Him. And if you won't do that, you won't live. And you should hear Him out, not just because He'll heal you, but what, what Jesus is saying about Himself is true, so you should listen. Healing comes from hearing. That's the title of the sermon because that's what this passage is telling us. Healing comes from hearing. And, and what the Jews initially, when they come to Jesus or come to Paul, what they tell him is, we'll hear you out. 
You see that? Look in verses 17 through 22. That's point number one. The Jews come to him and they say, we'll hear you out. Paul is gathering the leaders of the Jewish people in in the city of Rome and he he starts telling them how the the Jews back in Jerusalem were wrong to want him dead. And so he says in verse 20, For this reason, I have chains around me. This is why I'm a prisoner. I've asked to see you and speak with you since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chains. That is the reason that they hated me because of the hope of Israel. Doesn't that make... No sense to you at all if if the people of Israel, the leaders in Israel, chain up a person and want a person dead because of the hope that they should have themselves. Paul's not trying to communicate to you or to them. He's not trying to say, you know what you should be if you're a Christian? You should be a half glass full kind of person. You should... You should always have hope and be hopeful all the time, no matter if you're wearing chains or or whatever. He's not saying you should... Ignore the hard circumstances of your life and twist things around as if things are okay. What he is saying, though, is that Christians are different from the rest of the world in that we do have a hope that the rest of the world does not have. So that even when the the, the worst of this world happens to Christians, we still have hope. What Paul is saying is that all the other people in the world want something and we're the only ones who get it. Listen to what he said earlier. He uses this idea of hope of Israel in another place in Acts 26. That's what he said. I'm on trial here because of my hope in the promise that God made to our fathers, to Israel, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. In other words, ever since you were a nation, you were supposed to have this hope. And what is that hope? That God raises the dead. Isn't that your hope? Even if you come here and and you're not a Christian, isn't that your hope? That you maybe could live after you're dead? It's what the whole world wants and it's what only one kind of people get. Now, everyone in the world is going to live after they die. But if you're not a Christian, it won't be a hopeful kind of experience. It will be a living death in hell. But Paul is saying, the reason the Jews hate me is because I believe Jesus, when the Jews killed him and buried him, that he was raised from the dead. And everyone who believes that will also be raised from the dead and will receive life everlasting. In other words, the great hope of a Christian is what the world wants, but they can only get it through Jesus. And that is to be healed from death itself. That is how great a Savior Jesus is. Is that He doesn't just make your life better now. Often things get worse. But He does promise to heal you from your death. And beloved, let me tell you right now, no matter how you came into this room, you can leave this room with hope that He will heal you from death. Because Jesus offers this healing to anyone in the world who will hear Him out. 
Look in verse 22 how the, the Jews then tell Paul, look, we haven't heard anything about you. But we want to hear from you about this sect that is spoken against. This sect is heresy. This Christianity that you preach, that we understand is heresy. That the one who our kinsmen killed is actually a living king now. They're eager to hear from Paul, but I want you to just get a sense of who these people are. When they say, we'll let you preach, we want to hear you out, they're already starting from a position of doubting the truthfulness of what he's about to tell them. And maybe you've come here this morning with that kind of skepticism. Just understand this. If you do not really hear Jesus and love Him and trust Him. You can come under the hearing of words and truths about Him, but you will not receive the hope that only He gives. So I want to warn all of us right now to be careful how we hear right now. If you'll hear Him out, Jesus will heal you. They, they initially come and they say, we'll hear you out. But then Paul's answer after they react to what he says is, he will not heal you. Point number two, Paul tells these Jews that Jesus is not going to heal them. Verses 23 through 31. Let's hear him out. Paul says three things about Jesus that you and I need to hear. The first thing is that Jesus is God's king. Jesus is God's king. Look, look in verse 23. When they had appointed a day for him, they all come to him in greater numbers. And from morning until evening, what is it that, that Paul says to them? He testifies to the kingdom of God and he's trying to convince them basically that Jesus is the king. And he's doing that from the law and the prophets. Look at the end of the passage. For the whole two years that he's there, after the Jews leave him, he's there in Rome doing this one thing. He's proclaiming the kingdom of God and the Lord Jesus King. That's what Christ is. Jesus is God's King. That's what he wants them to hear. The one that you're rejecting, the one you won't hear out, is God's King. Just understand this about him. This world was made to be a kingdom where the king would rule over every single person who was a citizen of that kingdom. But this world is not doing that now. Everyone in the world rebelled against the king. So do you want to know what history is? History is explaining how God is, is not winning a crown that He didn't have. He is the King. But, but what He's doing is He's taking those rebels and He's turning them into friends. That's what history is all existing to be, to be about, is to make these people 
who rebel against Him and who don't love Him to make them faithful subjects of the King. That we might be more like those angels who really see the King. And Isaiah, and say, I've seen Him. And Isaiah says, now I've seen the King and I realize how sinful I am and I want to serve the King. That's what he's doing with all of history. And, and Paul is, is looking in the law of, of Moses and all the prophets. In other words, all the Old Testament. He's trying to explain to the Jews with their own Bible. It's Jesus who is that king. He's making true what God is doing in history. Do you notice, it's interesting that Paul's been the great hero of this book from chapter 13 on. And notice what it doesn't say about Paul as the book ends. And what it does say about Paul. We just get this reminder that the book of Acts is like the the books of Moses and all the prophets. Those books aren't really about human heroes. This, This book is not about Peter. This book is not about Paul. We don't have to know what happens to him after this. Maybe curious about it. But God isn't concerned to tell you what happens to Paul after this. God is just concerned to tell you what Paul's all about. And that's to preach Jesus. That's what this entire book is about. The whole Bible is about that. And if you want to live, that's the kind of life you'll live. Where you're not preoccupied with what happens to you. You're not preoccupied or discouraged by the role that God has called you to play compared to other people. We all have a role to play. And that is to bring attention to the glory of the King. Be happy to play that. He says Jesus is God's King, but secondly, Paul then says, God was right about you. Boy, this is not a end in the sermon with just as I am 18 times. Look how he finishes his sermon. This is how the whole book ends. Look at verse 24. Some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed. They, they, they listened to one more thing that he said. Here's the closing of his sermon. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they can, they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. That's how he closes it. With Isaiah's great vision. Isaiah was called out of the people of Israel to see the holiness of the God of the universe. And right after that, Isaiah volunteers to preach to God's people. If you think about the book of Isaiah, what he ends up going to preach to his people is how God is going to save sinners. This glorious book of God's salvation, of those who would reject Him and how He was going to do it. 
But God makes clear to him what will be the effect of his preaching on the people who hear his preaching. It would, and the word says it would, the preaching would make their hearts dull. It would make their ears deaf. It would blind their eyes. In in Isaiah 6, that's the language of it. I want you to understand this very clearly. You may be aware of various hardships in your life that I would not deny. I wouldn't want to make light of it in any way. But hear God out when He says, what is your great problem? He uses the language of sickness. The great problem of humanity. He he speaks in terms of sickness, of of body parts not working the way that they should. Of hearts that that are made to understand God, not understanding God. Of, Of eyes that are meant to see the truth, to see the glory of King Jesus, but don't really think He's that impressive. Of ears that are supposed to hear the truth and say, that's good, and, and false, falsehood is evil, but that don't hear that. That's the great problem of all humanity, and the solution is to be healed. To be healed. So it's like someone who goes into a kind of a routine checkup and gets some scans done and then discovers, I feel fine. But the doctor's saying I have stage four brain cancer. Maybe this is a moment like that for you. This is God's perspective. Will you hear him out? What happens to God's own people? I mean, Isaiah was preaching to God's own people, not to Babylon. He was preaching to Israel. What happens to them? Whenever it shows us just how lost All of humanity is if if God's own people, apart from grace, have a flesh that is so opposed to God, that is so set in rebellion against Him, and so convinced that, that we're worthy of something good, that Isaiah is actually blinded to the truth. He thought he was a fine guy when he was out with the rest of his friends. But then he sees the king and he says, I'm a man of unclean lips dwelling among a people of unclean lips. Because now I've seen the truth. So set against God that preaching makes the heart hard. So that they have eyes and ears that are just ornaments. They will not see themselves for who they are. There are plenty that this is not just true about in Isaiah's day. Paul says it's true in his day. It's true in our day. It may even be the people we love most who will not hear the truth about them or God. I want you to see in this passage something that is undeniable, which is God is totally in control of this judgment. And also, man is willfully rebelling against God. Both of these things are true in this text. Look in verse 24. That word disbelieve, it's not just some were convinced and believed and then others didn't. He's explicit to use a word that means they refused to believe. 
Day and night, he preaches how Christ from their own Bible, don't you see, this is the king, this is the king, this is the king. And they refuse. No way I won't follow him as king. They will not. They don't want it. They won't do it. But, and so, so here it says, uh, and, and, and when Paul quotes Isaiah 6, it, it reads a little differently than if you read Isaiah 6 in verse 27, it says, they closed their eyes. They did it. But at the same time, this is God's judgment upon them. And it is clear in the text. He says that to, to Isaiah, go and speak to them and make their hearts hard and blind their eyes. You speak to them and blind their eyes so that they will not turn to me and be healed. Let me tell you something, what kind of preacher I mean to be. It's not one who makes things acceptable to you. I'm here to tell you what God's Word says. And we need to hear Him out. This is what God says clearly in the text. They have refused Him and He's saying, go and preach to them and harden their hearts so that, so that they won't be healed. It's just right there in the text. When people reject Jesus, it means they have chosen to reject Jesus on their own. But it is also God being faithful to His promise to judge those who won't listen to Him. Now there's a major problem then for us. If you're listening this far in, you should recognize a problem. If we have to hear Him in order to be saved by Him, but we will not hear Him. And we cannot hear Him. How will anyone be saved? How is it true that anyone in verse 24 believes and are convinced? It's because He does heal hearts. He does heal hearts. This great Savior says, if you turn to Me, I will heal you. But in our own natural state, we will never do that. Listen to what it says later in Isaiah. He, the servant of God, who we know to be Jesus Christ, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed on the cross for our iniquities. Upon Him was placed the chastisement of God that brings us peace. Listen. And with His wounds, we are healed. Jesus Christ on the cross died to heal sinners. To give us new ears, new hearts, new eyes, bought by blood. Will you hear Him out? Will you believe this about you? God's perspective about you and me is we were born in this world spiritually sick. And the only way that we could be made whole from that sickness is for the Son of God to take on flesh and be wounded. Though He didn't deserve it. To be crushed on the cross by God Himself as well as men. And His wounds heal us. 
The only way that God can do good to sinners who only deserve judgment is because the Son of God bled so that He can give us what we don't deserve because He took what He did not deserve. So in spite of all of your rebellion and all of your sin against God, there is a Savior who can heal you if you hear Him out. Isaiah 6 is the way that the book of Acts ends. Think about where it ends. It started in the the capital, the holy capital of the world, Jerusalem, and it ends in Rome. The wicked capital of the world. The place of the people who murdered God's own son. And I think Jesus said, you must go there, there to preach me. Because Jesus is indicating, I will save even the ones whose very hands killed me. I'm willing to save the worst rebels against me. That's the kind of Savior I am. So I don't know what you've been thinking about Jesus Christ. Or the God of the Bible. I don't know what you've thought of if you could create a God that you think is worth worshiping. But the real God is better than anyone you could ever imagine. God sends salvation to those who are the farthest away from Him. This is what He says in verse 28. Let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent away from you and to the Gentiles, they will listen. And here I am among the worst Gentiles in all the world. I'm going to preach to them. They're going to listen. And God's going to save them. That's the kind of God that exists. And if you're a Christian, if you're trusting in Christ alone, I want you to take this message and realize this. There are so many who will not listen to God. They will not. They are committed to themselves. They're committed to not being saved. They won't put it that way, but right here it's there. And there are people in your life who are like this. And maybe you used to be like this. Until He, by grace, wore you. And saved you. The reality is, he sends the, the, the message of salvation, he sends it away from some and to others. Beloved, he sent it to you. He got you this message and caused you to believe by the blood of Christ. He healed you. And it's not because there was anything good in you that attracted him to you. He just set his love upon you. He loves you. Jesus saves the worst. No one can come up with a sin that He won't forgive. He will save you right now, no matter how much you've rebelled against Him. He will save the worst. That's why it ends in Rome, in Caesar's backyard. He'll save the greatest rebels against Him, but believe this too. He will judge everyone who thinks they're close to Him but they don't really listen to Him because they're blinded by their own goodness. And He doesn't save these Jews 
he sends the message of salvation away from them in judgment. So let me call everyone here to humility. To recognize you need to hear this out. You need a Savior. The only one who can save so wretched a sinner as you and me is God's own Son to take on flesh and live a perfect life because you didn't and I didn't and we must. And to die a terrible death and to be raised from the dead, that is what it takes to heal you. Will you receive that? He will heal you of guilt and He will even heal you of death. Anyone in the world who hears that out, turn from rebelling against Him and turn to Him and He will heal. That's what the text says. If you turn, He will heal you. He is willing to heal you right now if you will turn to Him. Trust Him. The third things we need to hear Paul out about when it comes to Jesus is that what he says to to the people of Israel in verse 28, and that is, God is going to save your enemies. God is going to save your enemies. God is going to save His own enemies who will listen to Him. See that? While we were in Mexico, we did a lot of, a few weeks ago, we, we did a lot of ministry. But one night, we went out on the street, had some tacos. We went to the taco stands. And there was a, a, a mango stand that Travis and Reese stopped by. And they, they, they said after, you know, overcoming without their hosts, uh, you know, the language barrier, part of the, part of the barrier was this man was, was mute. And so they had to kind of communicate with him as he was kind of mumbling and pointing. Because mute people cannot speak. Mute people mumble. Or point to their ears to communicate something they can't say. And if you get COVID, you won't be able to taste something. It's just part of it. Part of getting COVID is you won't be able to taste something. And what's also true is that lost people don't listen. Lost people don't listen. Lost people have no appetite for the truth of God. That's a sign. Like the mute, like COVID, there are symptoms of being lost. And the first one here is they won't listen. And there's a symptom to being the Savior. He's going to save. He is going to save. And so if someone won't be saved by Him, He's going to go out and find someone to save. And that's what he does right here. Their no to Jesus is God's yes to others. And I want that to be an encouragement. This example of what Paul ends up doing. He doesn't get crushed here and then just stay silent. But for the whole two years after this, he's proclaiming the truth. So when you share with a friend, when you share with a family member, and they reject you, or many reject you, don't let their no be a no forever. Understand that God is saying yes. God is sending you to say it to someone else. Let someone's rejection of the gospel actually motivate you to find that person and go to someone else to then speak it quickly to them. If you will hear him out, Jesus will heal you. 
And so a symptom of being healed, what is a sign that you've been healed by Jesus? It is this. They will listen. The Jews listened up until a point, and then when they heard one statement, they left. Lifelong hearing is a sign of salvation. That's proof that someone has been saved. And you need to hear this because in the Bible Belt, this is not understood. In our community, it's thought that if you hear Him once as a child, then you're saved. That's not what this is teaching here. You have to hear Him out. Not just hear Him once. His healing work on us is not done in one procedure. It says in the book of Hebrews, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard or we will fall away from it. We have come to share in Christ if we hold fast to the end. We have to keep on hearing. So beloved, learn this from the book of Acts. Every hesitation you have to hear the truth is your end. You've got to put all of that away. Everything you do that would make it harder for you to hear the truth. Leisure time. You'd rather do that? Or you just fill your life with that so that when you come to hear a sermon, you're like, golly, this isn't as fun as what I like to do. That's your enemy. Even, you know, sweet time with good good people or what with family if that if 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 doing that makes it harder for you to hear you better you better do something different if you come with a kind of arrogance i know everything i was taught in bible in sunday school when i was a kid i know all the story you got to say something new to impress get rid of it if you if you have to come to a sermon and and feel something and 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 if i can't feel something you better keep on hearing you better get rid of that thought. Or if you say, man, that was harsh. I don't want to hear that anymore. Oof. This has been pretty harsh. What Paul said to them. Being a Christian is spending your life under His voice. It's recognizing that He's going to keep on showing the ways that you're still sick. And and, and you continuing to remain under it and keep hearing, and then He'll keep healing. What that means for you, if you are someone who even when you're convicted and spoken against by God and you still want it, you are deeply loved by God. You should be greatly encouraged by the love of the Savior for you if you love to hear about Him. If you will hear Him out, Jesus will heal you. Heavenly Father, we pray that You would make us a people who put off any hesitation to hear from You and who sit under Your teaching. We want to be made like Christ in every way. We want to hear everything about our Savior. We pray that You would make this so for everyone here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.